I'm Natalia Loback, and this is Change Course. You're going to need more cupcakes. If you've been following along the Change Course podcast over the last year, season one, you would have heard the story that I told about the executive that I've been coaching who is embarking upon a big organizational change. And one of the things that this person is doing is quite disruptive uh, for the organization itself, but ultimately will have huge benefit when it is completed. One of the side amusements, I'll put it that way, an amusement Uh, that is occurring as this change is happening is as this executive is getting to know their colleagues and their foibles and proclivities. There have been a couple really funny things that have happened around the changing expectations of work from home versus work from the office. If you've been following along, I've periodically provided some updates and told some stories about this executive and what has been happening. And so today, um, I'm going to give you a bit more of an update on what's happening because there are some developments in the story. One reason why I like this story is because it really illustrates well how people can resist change and how their personal stories and their history and their perspective and way of viewing the world can really impact and color how they approach change and how they resist changes that they feel are personally threatening to them. So let's go back in time. This executive started their new role in the fall of 2021. And if you recall at that time, we were still in a period of flux and uncertainty around what was happening with our world and health stuff and all of that. And, you know, if you're sick, don't go to the office. Lots of different challenges that many workplaces were working to overcome. So this executive, knowing that they are working with a number of older executives from the boomer generation still, I mean, there's still a few around. So this executive, knowing that, And also having a personal preference for in-person interaction around difficult conversations had been going to the office fairly regularly. Also because just with the situation at their home, it made more sense for them to be able to go to the office to have that quiet space. And they actually quite liked that nobody was around. Um, It was good for them. As their working through their change and making some of those connections, there's a peer that they've been working with who leads quite a large team. And this executive leader is a boomer. So there is an important generational impact here. 
And they're leading a team of mostly millennials. So yeah, there are a few Gen Xers out and around, but this team is mainly millennials and a few Gen Z people peppered in there. And so demographically, millennials right now are making up the largest force, the largest demographic group in our workplaces. Many of them are, I would say, in their, if they're in positions of experience in the workplace, then you're looking at an age demographic of, let's say, like mid 30s to, I guess the upper end is about 40 ish, maybe 42 at this point or 41. And these millennials, I mean, if you're looking at that age demographic, they've got families, they've got commitments. Most of them, maybe some of them, I'm not sure, but there are certainly those in there in that group that have older parents, that have responsibilities, that go beyond just themselves. And through the period of 2020 and 2021, this sort of broad period that we had through the pandemic, there have been a lot of shifts around how we work, how we approach work our expectations around whether we actually need to be in an office with a billion other people or commuting 45 minutes to an hour uh, twice a day to get to a place of work. So you're seeing this massive demographic effect. You're seeing this massive change in expectations and desires around work. And then you're still having that generational conflict between your boomer executive or your boomer executives in some cases and this larger demographic that is still in that haven't quite hit the executive ranks yet. In some cases, yes, but the vast majority of that pocket has not yet. So let's go back to the summer of 2022. Wasn't it a good summer? I keep thinking about it. It was great. So the summer of 2022, this is when things started to shift. So our executive, let's pick a nice boomer name for our executive. Let's call him Henry. That's a great boomer name. Also, you know, it's been picked up by the younger generation for their kids now, which I find really lovely. So Henry, Henry is just, you know, at the end of, his career. He has a way that he does things and it's worked for him for the entirety of his career. Henry's nearing 60. He's in his 60s. Uh, He's not quite at retirement age yet, but he's in his 60s and he leads a team of about 35 other people, managers, individual contributors, you know, sort of a whole bunch of others. He's got about I think quite a, he's got a significant department under him. The number of direct reports that he has, I would say is about in the twenties. So a significant portfolio. Henry has struggled during the work from home period. Henry has difficulty using technology and there's been a significant amount of resistance with 
adapting and using the new ways of working. Henry hasn't felt like he's leading a large department because Henry's used to walking around the office and seeing everybody that he manages sitting at their desks. And Henry derives a lot of power from this feeling of being able to walk around and see everybody that he's working with. He also has this belief, probably because of his own conditioning and way that he operates in his life, that when you're at home, you're not working. And I think a lot of people who've been struggling with this personally struggle with this. This is a personal thing. There are people who have great boundaries around what am I doing? And they have excellent self-management skills and they really can work from anywhere. And I mean, this is a learned skill. I learned this skill in consulting. When I was a big firm consultant, my workplace was not an office. I worked all over the place. Um, You know, one week I would be at one client site. Another week I'd be working in a surgical operating room. Another week I would be camping out at some counter somewhere in a lab. Literally, I had to find places to put my laptop down to figure out how I was going to do my work. And so this training of doing this came to me early out of necessity. So for those individuals who've done that kind of work early in their career, you build that muscle, you build that skill. You really can work from anywhere. It's a mindset shift. It is not a physical shift. For a lot of people who are from the generation where work was an office, home was home, they struggle with this. They struggle with the ability to change their mindset because they rely on their environment to change. This is an important thing for change managers. If you are thinking about some of these generational foibles, proclivities, these shifts, environment is an important tool in the change that you are making. So always keep that in mind. And it's still very true in some types of work. So I would think about this in terms of work that is location-based. If you are a healthcare provider, you're a nurse, you're a physician, you work in a hospital, you work in a clinic, work A lot of your work is dependent upon your place of being. And you can't really shift out of that. When you're home, you're home because you don't have any work. Similar to manufacturing. I've worked in a lot of uh, manufacturing organizations. So manufacturing, it's very much dependent upon the place that you're in. Work is in person. And when you're at work, you're working. And when you're taking a break, you are away from your work. You are in a break room. You are somewhere else. It's very much structured around environment. There are lots of workplaces that still work this way. For generations that are older, and for those who might be on the older end of, let's say, Gen X, this is what work is like. It was based upon this model of the industrial model. And so work is a place. 
work isn't a state of mind. For your younger generations, work is much more of a state of mind, especially in the knowledge worker space. So there is something for you to think about as you're looking at implementing change. So Henry, let's get back to him and our boomer. So back to the summer of 2022. Wasn't it a beautiful time? At this time, the company uh, that Henry works at made some changes around their in-office versus work-from-home policy. And they made, at that point, they made a decision. So before this time, before the summer of 2022, the organization was really, you decide where you're going to work and you make the choice that's best for you. They decided for many reasons, and I don't know the exact reasons for this decision, but I'm going to hypothesize. So this is a large organization. Uh, It is a financial services organization. They have quite a large workforce. Like we're talking, you know, in the tens of thousands of employees. So it's a very large organization. They also have a large real estate imprint. And there are several factors that I think would have made this decision happen. Number one, fraud compliance. There are some considerations when you are a financial services organization around cybersecurity, around safety, and around the environments that you are accessing key information in. And yes, I know my technical people, you might come at me and say, sure, there are ways to get around this. I would say for somebody who is technologically savvy, absolutely. Sometimes your other generations, there are people out there who aren't as tech savvy to manage down that risk. I can understand why a financial services organization would make the decision to say, okay, people, we want you back in the office three days a week. When they made that change back in the summer, they did a big launch. They bought so many cupcakes. Like, I can't even tell you how many cupcakes they bought. I can't publish the photo of the cupcakes because um, it would give away who this person and who uh, this organization is. So I'm not going to post the cupcakes. But what I do have to tell you is there was a sea of cupcakes in the lobby of the day that everyone was supposed to be coming back to the office. And let me tell you, maybe two cupcakes were eaten, three at most. Let's not forget, it was the summer. Um, People are not going to change overnight. Also, there's a lot of people on vacation. I mean, come on, let's just be serious here. But Henry, our dear boomer executive, was back in the office every day. And Henry started to struggle because his people weren't following him. And the organization, while they were saying, we expect you to be back in the office three days a week, weren't able to reinforce or really enforce this new policy. And so what you saw was a policy coming on high from an organization and the people in the organization just not listening, not 
adhering to the policy, not applying it. And so people just didn't come back. So one of the pieces here is the story around the organization and how do you actually think about change, making a big statement, buying a ton of cupcakes and saying, employees, thou shalt do this now is one of the poorest ways to make change. And I think this organization did learn their lesson because they didn't see any significant change in the number of people back in the office at all. In fact, they saw no change. And Henry, our executive, was very much struggling with this. So if you've been following along the podcast, Henry decided that he was no longer going to take Zoom meetings. Essentially, if you want to see me, you know where to find me. I am in my office. And so I found this to be absolutely hilarious. What happened? No one came to see him. If people wanted to see him or people had to see him, they would come in and they would leave. I am not kidding. Like they would come in for a meeting for half an hour, get back on transit, get back in their car and go home. I mean, this was like, the battle of the two wills. I have never heard anything like this. It was hilarious. So as we moved on through the fall, the organization started to make some more inroads into having people coming back to the office and you started to see some of these changes happening. But what's been really interesting is about is is really Henry our boomer. And there's also been some shifts around some of our workplace dynamics over the past six months. So where in the summertime, it was really, I mean, a feast. There were so many opportunities available. People were moving workplaces and moving jobs. Like I'm still seeing a lot of announcements around people moving into new jobs uh, over the past couple months, but that has really slowed down. And there are, of course, some things that are driving that. Um, We have some recessionary fears. We have some other things that are happening. And those who want to keep their jobs, those who want financial security are starting to say, okay, yeah, maybe I do need to go back to the office. Maybe I do need to make some changes here. And so you're starting to see that shift happening. The, you know, the office is getting a little bit more lively. There's still not there five days a week, but anyway, Henry's still not super happy about that. So as of this January, changing over into 2023, the organization said, okay, now we really mean it. You need to be back in the office three days a week, which I think is kind of funny. And they're also starting to link your office presence um, with some, like they're allowing some of the managers to look at performance ratings with that, which is a dangerous tool for someone like Henry, our executive. So what Henry is now doing is saying to all of his people, still refusing to take Zoom meetings, even though he got really sick and had to be home for two weeks, still refused to take a Zoom meeting, refused it. It was like, I've never seen anything quite this stubborn. It's been pretty amazing. So now he's saying, I am back in the office five days a week. And I would really like it if all of you were back in the office five days a week. 
with me. So we'll see how this goes and how this progresses. I mean, the executive that I'm coaching finds this endlessly hilarious. Um, This person is also not reporting to Henry, our boomer, and so really makes their own schedule and does their own thing. But you can really see this battle of wills, this resistance, this digging in. And I've got to tell you, this is a good example of how pervasive resistance can be. And unless you're willing to step out of your comfort zone and have some of those more difficult conversations, one of the books that I have encountered recently again is Think Again by Adam Grant. And this is a really interesting book around how to challenge mindset. And when you have an entrenched mindset, how do you spark those conversations that help people think differently and help people open their minds and so that they don't get defensive. Getting defensive is such a hard thing to overcome. So how do you do that? I love this book for that. It gives you some really great tools and strategies around how you can spark those conversations and how you can get people to start to think about things differently. So If you are dealing with somebody who is as resistant as Henry, then this is an interesting tool, an interesting way to think about things differently. I'd encourage you to read it. I found a lot of great advice in this book. And for those of you who know me really well, you know, cupcakes are a thing. Cupcakes are a thing at Chart House and Connected Change and We also laugh about cupcakes quite a lot because whenever there's a change, you got to have cupcakes. I mean, how else are you going to get people to come back to the office? You got to give them a lot of cupcakes. So many. So yes, incentives are really important. Incentives are great. But you've really got to think through what that incentive actually is. A cupcake is not going to do it. They look amazing. They're gorgeous. They taste great. I mean, why not? But at the same time, don't expect cupcakes to be the tipping point for people to make a big change. If you want to get some attention, you want people to come over and talk to you or maybe like whatever it is or, you know, have a positive experience around whatever it is you're trying to tell them. Sure, get some cupcakes. I mean... People do it because it does work in some ways, but don't expect cupcakes to be the thing that helps you make big, transformative, sticky change happen. Yeah, they're a nice, you know, side dish, but really the main event, the main dish that you need to be thinking about is how are you brokering those conversations How are you addressing the stories that people hold around the status quo and how it benefits them and how they really don't want to transform? They really don't want that change. So how are you challenging what people think and the stories they are telling themselves? And sure, if you have to hand them a cupcake to get them to talk to you, do it, but don't rely on big splashy events to be the way that you make change happen. 
And yes, if you're struggling with change, go have a cupcake. It really does make things a little bit better. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, I invite you to like, share, rate, and subscribe because it helps others find us. Change Course is brought to you by Chart House Advisory Services and ConnectedChange.com. Our music is Levity by Emily Clausen. Show notes have moved. We're now at ConnectedChange.com. So visit us there under the Change Course podcast page, and you'll find a list of all the resources that I've mentioned here today. While you're visiting us, sign up for the Change Navigator newsletter. You'll keep on top of all things change. And every month we are sharing exclusive content and resources only with our subscribers. So don't miss out. Sign up at connectedchange.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's never too late to change course.